Hey guys, and welcome to episode 274 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabuono, and this week we have on Heather's Choice founder, Heather Kelly. Heather's Choice makes incredibly nutritious and delicious dehydrated backpacking food that doesn't cut corners on ingredients. It's clear that when Heather gets involved in something, she really takes it all the way. Before Heather's Choice was even a full-blown business, she was pouring her heart and soul into making meals just for the joy of it. Though Heather's Choice has been around for almost a decade at this point, when she did cross back over into the entrepreneurial world to start this business, it still wasn't a small step. This episode is a little bit of a different format than what you might be used to on Built on Passion. We do hit a lot of entrepreneurial themes and we still dig into the nitty gritty of what Heather's Choice is and what it's all about. But I think what really sets this episode apart is Heather really lays out her relationship with Heather's Choice, entrepreneurship, and the meaning behind it all. This isn't just a job or career, this is a huge passion point for Heather. She even describes it as more of an art project. To sum up this podcast simply, Heather Kelly is a badass. I wish we had more time to really dig into things and I'm hoping we can make some time to sit back down and take our conversation even further. I'm sure you'll see what I mean. We really hit the ground running with this episode and dive into some really deep topics right from the get-go. In this episode of Built on Passion, Heather Kelly dives into what entrepreneurship means to her and how she approaches building and running her business, how she dove into a brand new career and fought her way to fine-tune her process while learning some tough lessons, and the how and why behind Heather's choice. Do you own or do marketing for an outdoor travel, wellness, or fitness product company? If you enjoy listening to our podcast built on passion, have a brand of your own and are interested in joining one of Red Yeti's upcoming giveaways, we'd love to have you. Our giveaway campaigns are a great way for you to gain exposure and build a targeted audience of potential customers. We've worked with hundreds of brands over the years. Chances are you've probably seen our giveaways and we've put together giveaways related to the outdoor fitness, wellness and health spaces. If you're interested in partnering or joining one of our giveaways, just message us on Instagram. Our handle is at Red Yeti. That's R-E-D-D-Y-Y-E-T-I. Just tell us you'd like to join one of our upcoming giveaways and someone from our team will be in touch. Remember, just message us on Instagram at Red Yeti. That's R-E-D-D-Y-Y-E-T-I. All right, all right. Well, hang on one second before we actually jump into this episode. I just wanted to say thank you. Really, thank you for supporting everything we're trying to do. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being engaged, being curious, and just being there supporting the show. We work really hard to put together a really interesting show and have on guests that are truly doing something progressive, interesting, and building something truly special. If you are looking for a way to show your support and help us continue to do what we are doing, one of the biggest things you could do, and I know it seems like a really small thing, but is leave a review. Plus, it helps inform other people what your experience of this podcast has been like. So that's basically it. I just wanted to say a big old thank you to you, the listener. Please leave a review. It is extremely helpful. And uh, you look great. And that's it. Bye. This woman that we recently hired, she's originally from Nome, Alaska. We have a couple employees that are from essentially Alaska village life, right? Where they have tons of kids and it's a whole community feel and it comes with its goods and it comes with its bads, but she's just a really interesting character who went to culinary school and now has found herself working for us. And it's been really fun to give her 
what I would say is like a really healthy work environment that's still in the world of food. Because when you work in hospitality, it does come with a mixed bag of people, right? Some people are great, salt of the earth, awesome folks you want to spend time with. Some people you're like, oh, I actually don't want to go out for drinks with you after our 4 to 11 p.m. shift. <laughs> yeah, that'll turn until 5 a.m. It's like it's the Venn diagram of really fun and interesting and salt of the earth. And like there's some wild cats in that industry, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yep. Wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's incredible. Well, we're in it now. This is it. We're we're doing the thing. We're here. Yeah. <laughs> Heather, thanks for hopping on and joining me sitting down to talk with me today. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And, you know, we're coming from opposite ends of the country, but it's like we're sitting in the same room together. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd say I do appreciate you have a great mic. And that's always like a weird worry of mine because it's, I don't know, if there's like the, if you don't have that crisp, clean connection. You know what my trick is? What's that? Old corded Apple headphones. I have a beautiful Yeti mic. I have the cool headsets with the little mics. I have the little mixer box and I don't use any of it, quite frankly. Like my Yeti mic is super cool and like makes me feel like I'm actually a podcaster. But nine times out of 10, I go for the old Apple headphones and they work great. (laughs) I love those. No, same. The only downside is like they'll break after a while. I don't know what it is. Mine just did. It's heartbreaking. But um, you're right. Do you have a podcast yourself? I do have a podcast. I'm definitely on hiatus and getting ready to relaunch it. It's called Relentless and Ridiculous. And Mm. it is really a very real and honest behind the scenes of building Heather's Choice. And it's also my opportunity to interview other people who have gone through some pretty epic experiences in building a business. Like one of the women that I interviewed, Lindsay Davis, ran a company called Wilder Goods, which was this freaking beautiful, incredible, successful online retail store for women, like specifically, but all the really cool crafted goods that were just everything about this brand and everything about this online store was perfect. And she tells a story of eventually getting to the point where she decided, I'm going to shut this whole thing down. And I'm going to have to go through breaking up with my partnership. It is an incredible, heart-wrenching story of how she dissolved this business and how much happier she is now post-entrepreneurship. It's fantastic. Interesting. Okay. So I guess was a matter of entrepreneurship just wasn't what she was looking for to get out of life. I think it's a really honest depiction of people think entrepreneurship is super sexy and, oh my gosh, the work for yourself life and girl boss and blah, 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 blah. And she just realized that even from, and I can relate to this too, who you are in your 20s and like the type of business you want to build in your 20s is very different when you're a woman and you hit 30, all of a sudden your priorities change and you see your time differently. You have a different level of energy. You're in a new phase of life. And I think for Lindsay and I both, as we were having this conversation, we were kind of looking back at our 20-something selves that were like, yeah, conquer the world. We can do it all and do it all really well and go, 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 go. To all of a sudden graduating into, I would say, womanhood and being like, I'm actually not willing to kill myself in pursuit of building this business anymore. So yeah, it's a fantastic interview with her and she's the most incredible person ever. Highly recommend to listen. (laughs) 
I wrote that down just because I always write, I need, you know, down any time we mentioned something, but on a personal level, that speaks to me because I turned 30 this past year and I kind of been griping with that too. With Red Yeti, we finally became established. We were like growing, you know, in our pre-interview talk, it sounded like a similar progression, how you were expanding the people in your kitchen, things like that. You realize like, oh, there's more to life than just grinding and chasing a dream, like slowing down. There's beauty in the mundane. And obviously like starting a family, stuff like that, I guess, is on the brain. Totally. And I think that that's something that I am really sort of stepping into as an entrepreneur right now is really learning how to set expectations that are realistic for me and for my team. Because if I have unrealistic expectations, then that trickles down to everybody in the business. And then another piece that's been really helpful for me is even to look at the entire year as just different seasons where right now we're coming into the holiday season. It's a grind there. We're preparing for a full rebrand and new product launches. This season of business is rowdy. But I also recognize that come even December 23rd through January 2nd, nobody is working. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so like, if I can grind through this hard phase of the business and this season, I know that there's going to be reprieve where I think that there's a slippery slope for us as entrepreneurs, where we can just create a never ending trajectory of supper fest (laughs) And then it's not sustainable. And then people get burnt out or they fall out of love with their business. And I think that it's really important that we continue to have those conversations with entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs just to be like, Hey, this is actually really hard work. Let's not put rose colored glasses and look at entrepreneurship and pretend that it's for everybody because it's not. I fully agree. I actually wrote down, I love this, what you said, never ending trajectory of Sufferfest. Um, <laughs> that, that speaks to me so much. It's interesting. One of the reasons why I personally got involved with Red Yeti, and I, I think the same could be said for Josh and Drew, my partners, is we wanted to be in an industry where we can do the things we love more. Started with skiing and snowboarding. It goes far beyond that, especially as we just got into different things. You don't get to do that when you start a business, you do that way less. And it's like, I think this goes perfectly with what you're saying is how there's these rose colored glasses that come on when you're excited about an idea and a business and people don't realize how boring it could be even and monotonous. And a time suck isn't the best word to use because it's usually purpose driven, but there's still that dedication. Like, like I did not enjoy my twenties the way I know a lot of other of my friends enjoyed it in a nine to five. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like there's almost a honeymoon phase with it, right? Where the idea is young and it's exciting and you're super pumped and fired up about it. And you're launching and it's like, Ooh, look, look, I'm doing it. You're riding a bike for the first time. And it's like, Holy shit. Like I, I don't have the training wheels. Look at me go. And then at some point you're like, Oh, I'm still pedaling at a ridiculous rate. I'm just cranking, 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 and I'm getting really tired. And I think the for myself, this is seven years that I've been doing Heather's Choice. And then I had a business before this. So I'm probably coming up on 13, 14 years of entrepreneurship. And I think it's now getting to the point of how do I create a sustainable pace to work at? And what are the sacrifices that I am willing to make? And what are the sacrifices that are are non-negotiables for me? 
And I feel like that's a really important internal conversation of like, okay, I can't maintain this pace forever. So how do I settle in for the long haul? I think it's serendipitous the way you put it with one of the first things that when we connected before we hit record, we were talking about this exact thing, but with fitness, like how do you do this Mm -hmm. as long as possible? How do you enjoy it? How do you, I guess, make space to, I don't know, live life, right? Yeah. In its entirety, not just one facet of your life. That was a piece that really helped me in the last, I would say, two years. I hired a business coach and was working with them one-on-one. And one of the pieces that came up over and over and over again for me was feeling like the hours outside of business when I wasn't actively working on the business or in the business, it was almost this sense of guilt of like, ugh, those hours that I am relaxing or those hours that I'm going to the gym or the hours that I'm just cleaning house, that's time that I should be dedicating to the business. And what this coach had me do was basically draw a great big circle and had me sort of create all the little pie slices of Heather and Brad time, Heather alone time, Heather gym time, Heather work time. I basically created all these little pie slices, right? And was trying to divvy up how much time goes to what. And what she had me do was then go and erase all of the pie slices, like erase the lines in between. And to realize that the time that I spend at the gym, the time that I spend working on my business, the time that I spend journaling, the time that I spend cleaning house, it all contributes to the whole, which is me. And if my business is an extension of myself, then all of those activities, every single thing that I do in a given day, either contributes or takes away from the whole. And that was just a really helpful mental exercise for me to kind of take away the guilt that I feel at times when I elect to go to the gym rather than keep answering emails. And it's been a really helpful reframe for me that I imagine other entrepreneurs could settle into. (laughs) That's a really interesting way of putting it. I feel like that even, I don't know, that, that helps me perfectly. We were talking about this, I think, before I hit record too. But so your business is an extension of yourself. And of course, because it's it's your mission, you started this, you're shaping this ball of clay. But even beyond the business itself, there is the work part, like the active work part and how that fits into your life. And I guess the distinction between the two, it kind of helped really frames where those two things fit within yourself, if that makes any sense. Well, even if you think about you and I hopping on to record today, if you had stayed up all night preparing for this and trying to do all of your research and map out everything you were going to say and like, okay, it's going to go ding, 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 ding. These are the timestamps and you would just run yourself ragged trying to get ahead and trying to prepare for this. We would have gotten to recording today and you wouldn't be present because you'd be exhausted and you would feel like shit and all of the above. And you and I wouldn't get to have a real connection. We wouldn't get to have a real conversation. So the final product would actually suck, right? Because like there's no energy to put into it when the time counts. But you would have done whatever you thought you should have been doing, which is like ferociously preparing and coming with all of your ducks in a row and da 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 da. When in all reality, you getting a good night's sleep, you waking up and having time to journal, to read drink coffee, eat breakfast, take a shower, put on real clothes, 
settle into your chair, take the time to visualize, like, how do I want this conversation to go? What is the vibe that I want to create for this podcast episode? All of that work produces a way better end product. And the process that you took yourself through to create that end product was a hell of a lot more enjoyable. (laughs) It's actually interesting you say that. So far, this is just genuine you and I. This is so far from anything I have prepared. And I definitely going to shepherd us in that direction. But I love having these types of conversations because they just feel so much more productive. Mm -hmm. I mean, for you, for me, for the listener, one of the big things about our episodes and what I like to dig into with my guests is the how and why behind the businesses that they start. And I feel like this, what we're talking about now is such an underrated and in a lot of ways, even more important part than anything else we could talk about in terms of the products you make. And again, like I'm definitely planning on getting there and shepherding us there, but I think it also does a good job of highlighting who you are as a person and what it is that you're doing means to you. Yeah, absolutely. We at Heather's Choice have started doing tours of other businesses in Anchorage, specifically manufacturing businesses. Wow. So we've toured yesterday. We were at Alpine Fit, which is a fantastic business for you to add to your roster of podcast interviews. We've toured an ice cream company called Wild Scoops. We've toured the Alaska Chip Company, 49th State Brewing. And to your point, when we go and tour these manufacturing businesses, it's a lot of the same stuff, right? It's like, here's your raw materials. How often do you order them? Where do you store them? What are the buying cycles? What are your MOQs? Blah, 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 blah. And then here's the process line you take it through. And here's the specialized equipment that you have. And here's how you actually cut fabric or here's how you actually transport grains or whatever the case may be. Here's your fancy canning line. And here's the 10% waste you have to write off for crushed cans and Then you take it and you distribute it and you ship it. And here's your outbound shipping and how you do all that. It's the exact same shit. (laughs) Like No matter which business, sure, there's some nuances of everybody's different processes, but we're taking a raw good and transforming it into a finished product and selling it to the end customer. What doesn't get really highlighted, I feel like is to your point, how do we do business? How do we keep our employees engaged? What is the mission and vision that we're aligning our employees to? Are we too stressed out to even give a shit about how our employees feel, what their work environment is like? Are we doing this in order to create a really awesome business for people in Alaska to participate in? Or are we doing this to scratch our own ego? And is it just driving us crazy? And so I I think that that is really highlighted for me right now, because again, business is business. Like that's sort of the easy part. How do we create something that has some heart to it that people can really align themselves with and attach themselves to? And especially as somebody who's building a team, like right now we have 12 employees, damn near, give or take, depending on the season to get those 12 people fully bought into the mission and to create a place where they love to come to work every day. That's a freaking art as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh my God. Because at that point you're creating more than a business. It's a community and there's two sides of it, the internal community and the external community. I feel like this is the perfect segue to ask a question I usually ask at the beginning, but I'm going to tweak it a little bit. 
looking at yourself, who would you say Heather Kelly is and what do you do? And more importantly, what does Heather's choice mean to you? What do you see Heather's choice as? So if I was trying to introduce myself, like (laughs) my name is Heather Kelly. I live in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm a born and raised Alaskan. I would say I'm an artist at heart. And right now my art project is entrepreneurship. That's like really (laughs) gratifying for me right now in this phase of life. If I was going to say nice things about myself, I would say that I'm highly creative. I'm a visionary. And one of my core tenets is being unreasonably generous. And so that is part of what really drives me to build a successful business is to have more financial ability to be generous and to create beautiful things. Heather's Choice and what it means to me, it started out as my 26-year-old self being really excited about combining my love of the outdoors and my love of backcountry trips with my love of nutrition. And Heather's Choice was sort of the love child of two of my favorite things. It has now become something much bigger than me. And I feel like I'm now at this point caught up in the wave of creating a really fantastic business here in Alaska that allows people to participate in the outdoor industry. And also, I think that in the long run, I think Heather's Choice is going to have a positive impact on the Alaskan food system. So again, Heather's Choice has become something that is so much bigger than me that I am now just trying to keep up with. That is amazing, especially hearing that within the context of everything we just talked about in terms of meta entrepreneurship. Like we had the introduction to how do you look at entrepreneurship, what you do without actually even digging into the how and what. I mean, you summed it up perfectly at the end, like it's taking the raw material and actually turning it into just a product. There's a lot of businesses like that. You know, in terms of you saying that you're a visionary and creating like this is your art project. I think the way you approach entrepreneurship as a whole, like you are dead on with how you would describe yourself because it, it is more than just the product. Was it as simple as, Oh, I like this thing. These are things I enjoy. I'm going to see where it goes. Or did you always know you had this grander vision of really digging in and being a voice within the Alaskan community? When I started Heather's Choice, Prior to that business, I had a sports nutrition and eating consulting business. So I was really developing my skills of listening and coaching and really stepping into a leadership role. In my previous business, I would actually travel to CrossFit gyms all across the country and lead seminars and coach people on, again, like how do they develop a healthy and satisfying relationship with food? And at some point I decided, okay, I I don't really want to be in this conversation anymore of dieting and weight loss. And it's just not that interesting to me anymore. And I wanted to be more in the conversation of outdoor sports and backcountry trips and just kind of wanted my daily conversations to be different. Now, as Heather, the CEO of Heather's Choice, as I look back at that previous experience of public speaking, leadership, coaching, deep listening. I'm like, oh, I needed all of those skills in order to be able to fulfill the CEO role. And I think that by having the willingness to hang my entire ass out there and say, I'm going to take a really big risk. I'm going to 
go all in on this Heather's Choice idea. And no matter how hard it is, I'm going to stick with it. It's just now it feels like, okay, this is me even further getting into a leadership position of being willing to take risk and then inadvertently giving other people the permission to take their own risks in life. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Oh man, that kind of goes like even far beyond what I asked. I feel like that's perfect. How did you start that journey? What was the steps from saying, okay, I know where I would like to operate and I know what I want to do within that space. How do I get started? How did you take those first initial steps? With Heather's Choice? Yeah. Let's see. So I told you before we started recording that I was living in Colorado. I had my nutrition consulting business. I was in Boulder. And quite frankly, I got really sick of the lifestyle that I had there because I was in my air-conditioned apartment. It was a really nice place. I had a really nice car with air conditioning. I worked out at a really nice gym with air conditioning. And I just found myself hopping between all these air-conditioned locations. And I was like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the life that I want. Going to Pearl Street for happy hour, this is not the recreation that I want anymore. And so I eventually decided, okay, I'm letting go of this fancy boulder lifestyle and I'm moving back to Alaska. And I moved into a 27 foot camp trailer in my dad's front yard. And it was bliss. (laughs) I was like, wow, this is so great. Like, I'm so happy to be back home in Alaska. I don't have any money, but like I'm home. And when I got back to Alaska, I had had this idea for Heather's Choice as a dehydrated food business percolating for years. And at that point, I would simply dehydrate food in small countertop dehydrators. And I would just give that stuff away, give it to friends who were going on trips and say like, here, take this try, give me your feedback. And my excitement for this idea was pretty infectious, right? Because I just had so much enthusiasm for it and was so pumped and was like, oh my gosh, look, I can make smoked sockeye salmon chowder in a bag. It's again, it's all my favorite things. It's good quality food. It's dehydrated. So you can take it backpacking, pack rafting, whatever. It's going to fuel you for performance. It's anti-inflammatory. There was so much thought and care that went into those initial products that it really attracted again, interest in other people's excitement. And so I had a buddy of mine who that summer saw me juggling these dehydrators and all this dehydrated food and pushing it on people. And he was just like, what is it going to take for you to actually turn this into a business? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about manufacturing. Manufacturing probably wasn't even in my vocabulary at that point in time. And so he sat me down probably over a round of drinks. We got an EIN number, got a business license. He offered a place for me to stay because again, winter was coming. The camper life wasn't going to last forever. And he's like, Hey, you know, you can live here. It's got a kitchen and here's your EIN and business license number. I triple dog dare you to actually turn this into a business. So that was August of 2014. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it a whirl. And I thankfully had somebody that was like, don't use WordPress, make sure you launch on a Shopify site. I had to go through the whole permitting process, which was a nightmare. It was just a really organic launch, I would say of Heather's Choice. And 
again, I feel like since August 15th of 2014, when I hit live on the Shopify site, I have been running as fast as I can to keep up with this thing. (laughs) Oh man. Thank God you had the product pretty much figured out. It's something that you like, I guess, knew like the back of your hand for doing it so long. Ooh, I would disagree with that. I knew how to do it on like a really, really small scale, like eight meals at a time. But like even today, now at Heather's Choice, we're about ready to invest in larger equipment and scale our recipes up to be able to make, I would say, five to 800 meals at a run. And there is still fine tuning happening at that scale. Like how much salt do you add to 80 gallons of marinara sauce? Don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just got to figure that out as you go. I ask that myself every day. (laughs) As you're making yourself marinara sauce for the 800th time being like, how much salt do I add? It's not a pinch. It's got to be more than that. <laughs> it, it feels like the, like a type of like a, what is the sound of one hand clapping? How right, totally. <laughs> oh my God. There's Zen in there. So you really charge into that. And I mean, like full force and you ran through it. How did you manage to be running back and forth to playing all those different roles. I'm assuming it was it was just you running the show. Did you have any plan or rein it in or did you just kind of go, go, go and, and see what happened? <laughs> Definitely the latter. I was encouraged <laughs> on multiple occasions to write a business plan, which I feel like probably nine out of 10 of your interviewees are like, oh yeah, I didn't have a business plan. Like those things take forever to write and they're so dense and there's just so much you don't know. We're even now today, seven years into the business, fully stepping into the role of CEO and doing a lot of financial planning. We now have a three-year roadmap of how we want to grow the business and da 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 like jargon, jargon, jargon. And still, every single day is dynamic and different. And as soon as you lay the plan in place, you just have to accept the fact, these are my projections and my projections will be wrong. They will either be high or they will be low. But at least there is a roadmap. And now I feel like a lot of conversation we have internally at Heather's Choice is just about adaptability. Here, I've thrown the stick. This is where I want us to go, work towards the stick. And between us and that stick, a lot of shit's going to come up. And a lot of things are going to go wrong. And a lot of plans are going to change. But inevitably, we're going to get to the stick. And how adaptable and how gracious can we be in pursuit of getting to that next milestone? So I'm assuming it was kind of like you really shaped the ball of clay throughout the entire process. Now that you are, I mean, much more organized, even just from from us talking, has your scope of what you're focusing on with Heather's Choice changed much? So to your question about has my focus changed? Now I feel like my focus inside of Heather's Choice is way less about juggling everything, right? Like summer of 2014, as I'm working on the website, I'm developing products and I'm making the product and labeling the bags and shipping the orders. When you start, you're doing everything. And I feel like now I still have to know what's going on at all levels of the business. So for us, we manufacture all of our own products here in Alaska We distribute all of our products from here. We do all of our sales and marketing in-house. We have everything going on here. So while I have to have a bird's eye view of everything, I have to have the discipline 
to delegate 98% of what happens in the day-to-day operations of the business so that I can constantly be looking further downstream. So I feel like my focus now is becoming a lot more vision, finance, team development, and really setting company culture, which has been a steep learning curve for me. But we're now to a place that I'm really proud of and really feel like we can sort of build off of it from here. How did you get comfortable starting to go from doing everything yourself and like learning it like the back of your hand and slowly, I don't want to say giving that off, but delegating it, like handing it to the right people? Nothing that I've done in this business has been real graceful. Like I learned via trial and error. So I would say a lot of mistakes and a lot of screwing it up the first time. As an example of this, a really tangible one, when I was dehydrating everything myself, I very, very, very quickly maxed out my capacity. It was just like, whoa, I can't chop enough onions and dice enough carrots and cook enough food and load it into the dehydrators and pack it all up and label it and ship it. Like I can't do it all. And so the logical next step with a food business is that you find a co-packer right? You take your recipes, you take it to a co-packer, you have them scale it up for you and make you a whole shit ton of them. And then you sell that product as fast as you can before you need to place your next order. And I tried that on three separate occasions, like attempted to outsource our manufacturing of dehydrated food. And I fell flat on my face all three times. And so inevitably we brought all of our manufacturing back to Alaska got our own dedicated kitchen, went through all of the hoops and rigmarole to get FDA, DEC, and USDA permitting. And now even still, very, very tangibly, in the last three weeks, I've been working alongside our employee, Brittany, who has a culinary background, and just being able to say to her, Brittany, this is the general idea that I have for this recipe. I want it to be mom's spaghetti. I want it to be these gluten-free noodles and grass-fed beef. And my mom would always make it with zucchini and mushrooms. And the marinara needs to be really herby and awesome. But like here, you figure out how much salt to put in there. You get to use your culinary gifts and your artistry and expertise to help us figure out how are we going to make this the best meal it can possibly be? Because I have the vision of what I want it to be. I can sell that stuff all day long and tell the emotional story of, oh my gosh, I remember eating spaghetti with my mom probably once a week growing up. And that is still to this day, my ideal comfort food. And then having the ability to give that to Brittany to execute on. And then as soon as she has like actually perfected the marinara sauce and all of that, we then as a team, Brittany, Brad, Neil, and myself yesterday, we're standing around having a standing meeting in the Heather's Choice Kitchen saying, how are we going to cook 50 pounds of noodles and get them dehydrated? How much salt do you add to a 40 gallon kettle of water when you're cooking the noodles? What is the process of dehydrating the marinara sauce and then getting it into the weigh and fill and getting it into the bag? So I think that right now in the business, it is really pushing me to learn how to work collaboratively with other people and to develop 
interdependence within the company. Like we all need each other. We all have our role to play and not a single one of us can do all of this on our own. So how do we play nice? (laughs) I mean, it's a cliche, but teamwork makes the dream work, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is front and center for me right now, because yesterday we had Kristen and Brooke and Dan in the warehouse. They're trying to develop a Kanban system for our inventory management. Brooke is working on sales and marketing and calling retailers. We had Josh, Kyle, Neil, Brittany, Brad, Mike, Melissa, myself in the kitchen, actually working on making the product, the process, the inventory management in there, the process refinement. There's so much going on now within the business that everybody has to be crystal clear on what they're doing and why. Otherwise, it's a deck of cards and somebody could just flick and the whole thing will crumble. (laughs) Okay. So you have the product, you have the structure, you have the community, you developed the brand, you have the brand. How do you fight against all the noise or everything else that's happening in the space you operated. And I guess the, it wouldn't be instant meal space, would it? Like, I guess, nutritious backcountry meal space. I would just call it probably the backpacking food space because I would identify our main competitors as Mountain House, Alpine Air, Backpackers Pantry, Good to Go. Like a lot of those names have been well-established for a long time. And the scale at which we do things is much smaller (laughs) than a lot of those companies that I listed. And so for me, there's two pieces to this. One, I feel like it's kind of irrelevant for me to be paying attention to what those bigger businesses are doing, because I believe we have the ability to be trendsetters in our industry, right? By us putting our stake in the sand and saying, we're going to use wild-caught salmon, grass-fed bison, grass-fed beef, organic chicken. This is the quality standard that we believe is important and possible for our space. So that's one piece that I really stay focused on is like, what are we doing to make sure that we're being progressive and producing the best quality product that we can, regardless of what anybody else is doing. And then the other piece that's really important for me as an entrepreneur is to have that perspective of abundance versus lack. And to say, I believe there's plenty of business to go around for all of these companies Because if I'm going to produce even a million units a year, that's not even going to come close to satisfying the demand (laughs) that is out there for backpacking food. So like, sure, it matters. But I feel like as soon as you shift your focus to what's the competition doing, you then step into being reactionary rather than being proactive. That's a really good perspective. You stay focused that way too. Yeah. Every summer we sell out a product. So like, what do I care what Mountain House is doing? I've got my own sandbox to play in here, which is like, how do we satisfy the demand that we've now created? Yeah. And I mean, even going along with that, you have the opportunity to stay focused and not have to fight against something else. You're just fighting to make the best product you can pretty much offer. And it does seem like you're focused on all the right things in a place where you can get the best ingredients at your fingertips. Well, and this was one thing that, again, like if we imagine that all of our life experiences contribute to the whole and contribute to who we are and the businesses we build, it was probably this third quarter that we had our quarterly all team meeting where we go over everything in the business to make sure that everybody who's on our team knows 
what the hell is going on? And the analogy that I used for our team of people in this meeting was us as a rowing team. So I was previously a collegiate rower. I rode an eight person boat to our fifth and sixth consecutive national championship. So like it was a really tangible example for me to be able to illustrate to our team, like, here's what's going on. You all have a seat in this 40 foot boat. You all play a really important role. You're either the stroke seat or you're in the engine room or you're in the bow, but like every single one of these people has a critical role to play in this boat, moving as fast as it can. Here's me as the coxswain, the one saying like, it's time to go, right? Give me 10 good ones, like move fast. You're at this point on the field. That's my job to constantly be communicating with everybody on the team. I consider our board of directors to be our coach who's like helping communicate to me and help set the direction of like, what is our race plan? When do we move? When do we settle into a good pace? All of that. But the key piece about this whole boat analogy is that you always, always, always keep your head in the boat. You never turn to look and see how far up is the competitor on us. It doesn't matter because you can be at the 1750 line. You can have 250 yards to go and be down an entire boat length. And in 250 yards, assuming that you have trained and like you know the strategy, you can surpass that boat in just 250 yards. So like it's wholly irrelevant where the other boats are in comparison to you, so long as that you stick to your race plan. That is really the perfect analogy. I feel like it completely encapsulates most of the things you've been saying with comes to teamwork, staying focused, inch by inch, getting to the, I guess, the finish line. I've been like truly blown away throughout this entire conversation. It did not go as planned. And to me, that is like, no, I'm like, seriously, like it, it's one of the, I love a conversation. I love recording an episode when everything I planned has been thrown out the door and we get to like start off, like going super deep. Like what is this ethereal thing of being an entrepreneur mean to you? And then just ending up back to square one, kind of like stepping backwards. What do you want Heather's choice to be? I mean, you clearly are on that path of like inch by inch. You're, I mean, you mentioned you're like so much more organized now. You have a plan, you know what's going to happen in the next three years beyond the business plan and the notes and the calendar. What do you want Heather's choice to become as a brand within your space? Do you have like any grand vision beyond that? Oh, yeah. I really want Heather's Choice to maintain and to continue to be the premium choice in our space, right? So like that's where a lot of our emphasis comes on ingredient sourcing and recipe development. I just feel like we have a really awesome opportunity to be the best of the best in our space. And that doesn't say anything about the other companies like good to go is another dehydrated food business. Their stuff is awesome. Their food is fantastic. And in tandem, we can also be really great straight up. So that's one thing that really drives me is just being the best in our space or like one of the best. If we're lining ourselves up with somebody like good to go. And additionally, I also have just really drawn a firm line that I want to keep the business here in Alaska, partially because I was born and raised here. It's absolutely home sweet home. I love it here. 
if I was going to make a really bold statement, I really feel like Alaska kind of needs a nationally distributed product-based business here because there is a lot of noise about it's super far away. Shipping's really expensive. You can't manufacture in Alaska. There's kind of just a lot of noise about what is possible here, where I believe that by us creating a really awesome business that creates really awesome products that are super high quality, that are distributed all across North America, we can create really great jobs in the outdoor industry. We can create a really admirable place to work here in Alaska. And we can provide really awesome people the opportunity to live, work, and play here in Anchorage. And I feel like we've already started to create that where we have some employees that moved up from pretty badass places like Bend, Oregon, or Arizona, or California. And they get up here and it's like, man, what are my options? Where are the places that are hiring? What kind of industry do I want to work in? And it's been really fun for us to snag up some of these really incredible employees who are just excited about what we're doing. And they're excited about the fact that we're distributed in REI across the country. They're excited to see us sourcing wild-caught Alaskan salmon. They're excited when we plan our company trips and take everybody camping. There's just a lot of fun to be had in building a business here. But it also is an opportunity for us to create a new standard of what it is to live, work, and play here in Alaska. And the vision goes way beyond that. But I feel like that's a pretty good (laughs) thing to work towards. That's a great place to start. (laughs) Throughout this entire conversation, there's one thing that you kind of keep on disarming me with. And it's your ability to go and see beyond the company itself. It It really feels like it is second nature for you to see what you're doing as it stands within the actual real world, how it can create jobs and community and people will actually be in, you know, using this product to stay in, I guess, the most raw intent of Heather's choice, but to stay like fit and fueled up and and just enjoy their food. I feel like your approach to building Heather's choice with taking this broad perspective in terms of vision is making it just so much more than a backpack food company. I mean, I think that a lot of this is stemmed from the fact that, again, building company culture has been something I've really struggled with because I'm highly independent. And if you just left me in a room by myself, I'd be fine. I would come up with something to do. And like, I just as an only child, just being like really able to just keep myself busy. Now, all of a sudden, having a staff of people who are looking to me for mission, vision, direction. It's like, damn, how do I inspire these people to show up every day and like put on their hairnets and put on their lab coats and chop these onions and ship these orders or call these retailers? It's not based on how much you pay them. I'll tell you that right now. Like we've tested that theory and that is not what gets people out of bed in the morning is how much money they're making. It really is their emotional connection to the other people in the business It's do they like where they work? Do they like the work that they do? Do they feel like their talents are being fully utilized? Do they aspire to grow within the company? Is the company growing? Are they aligned with the mission and vision of the company and how it's run? And so I just feel like that is 
the most important work that I do right now within Heather's Choice is giving people something to work towards and something to aspire to and to be an example of having our mission, vision, values on the board. It's actually plastered in like 10 different places throughout Heather's Choice. So people can constantly reference it. But if one of our values is communication and transparency, are we walking the talk, right? Can people count on Brad and I as their leaders that we will communicate with them on everything that's going on and we will be infinitely transparent about what's going on in the business, even if it's hard. And that feels bigger than me to be that example for these people who come into our business. From just listening to everything you had to say today, it feels like that type of inspiration comes second nature to you just to, to be able to, I don't know, bring people into your world. I feel like you might be being a little bit modest, but either way. I think I said this earlier. The only reason that I can sit here and talk about this right now is because I've screwed it up so many times. We've had so many people come and go from Heather's Choice because there's been phases where I wasn't a leader. I wasn't in my power. I wasn't able to communicate the vision. At one point in time, I feel like other entrepreneurs maybe have made this mistake too, but I would hire people who were smarter than me, quote unquote, more experienced than me, and attempt to put them into roles and expect like, okay, they're what's going to make the business great because they have all this experience and all this industry knowledge and blah, 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 blah. When in all reality, that's not really the most important thing when you bring somebody into the business. The most important thing is their willingness and their adaptability and who they are. And so now we've changed our strategy where it's like, we want people to come into the business starting on the production floor. So they start chopping onions, they start sweeping, they start mopping, doing dishes, all of that. Very quickly, we can escalate them into a new position assuming that they prove that they have the things we're looking for, like work ethic or communication or the ability to work as a team and a lightheartedness. Like this has all changed and evolved pretty rapidly for us in the last two years. So had you and I had this conversation summer of 2019, even it would be a totally different conversation because I would have been in the thick of struggling to figure out how do I build company culture? How do I create something that people really care about and align themselves to? Would you say that there's any one specific mistake that you made that really helped you open your eyes or slingshotted you forward as a uh, entrepreneur? Oh my God, there's too many. I feel like anytime I do interviews, I'm pretty quick to say like, if there is a roadblock, I run into it. Like that's just knowing about myself and knowing that is how I learn is trial and error. I think that the one that really stands out is just what I would call like giving away my power, right? Like assuming other people are smarter than me, assuming other people know better than I do in terms of how to build this business right? Of course, there are people who have industry knowledge who are smarter than I am. There are people who are way more qualified to figure out how much salt goes in the marinara sauce, right? Like there are people who care a lot more than I do about the bin system in the warehouse and how it should operate. Those details, I don't actually care. Like I don't actually care where the stuff ends up in the warehouse. I care that the system works And I care that it all contributes to the grander vision, which is us to make and distribute the best quality product that we can. So I think that 
potentially that mistake that I made really early on was not assuming my role as the CEO in the business and staying really focused on, okay, this is my ship and I need to drive this damn thing. (laughs) Oh yeah, I got you. Man, I didn't realize it, but we are down to the wire. I do have one more question for you. And I feel like the listeners will really appreciate this, but what advice would you give to anyone who's considering or on the cusp of jumping into starting a business? I think that when you are starting a business, it's really easy to get caught up in the honeymoon phase of it, right? Like, oh, this is going to be so fun. It's going to be so cool. And da 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 da. And I think that it's really important to have that conversation with yourself of like, am I in this no matter what? Or alternatively, do I have conditions of, I will go so far as to exposition, like potentially I'm not willing to put every dime I have into it. I'm going to raise this amount of money and I'm going to put other people's money into it. And if that runs out, we'll be able to say that I tried. You know, that's a pretty lackluster example, but I just feel like it's important to have that chat with yourself of like, how far am I willing to go? And how committed am I to seeing this through to the end? When I look at Heather's choice, for whatever reason, I am all in on this sucker. And I will not quit until either I physically can't anymore or some other catastrophe happens, right? But in the meantime, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how frustrated I get, I'm all in on it. And like, I can't necessarily even describe where that conviction comes from or why that's so visceral for me, but I'm all in on this sucker. And I think that that's where people can trip themselves up is they can start it and say like, oh, this is fun. This is sexy. I'm pumped. Like, oh, look, I have my own product and it's on shelf. And then things start to get hard and you get challenged over and over and over again. And their commitment waivers because they don't have a strong enough conviction of this is what I'm doing and this is where I'm going, no matter what. It's just like, oh, this isn't fun anymore. It's like, sure, there are times in business where it's not fun, but can you have the mindset of this is challenging me for a reason and this is the personal growth I can get out of this moment? being able to see every challenge that comes your way as a learning opportunity or potentially a lesson that the universe has been trying to get you to learn for a really long time and you still haven't learned it yet, which is why this is coming up again. (laughs) So I hope that I made that clear. I feel like I kind of rambled my way through that one, but hopefully that was sort of clear on the aspiring entrepreneur being able to sit down and say, what is my level of commitment to this vision? I think you nailed it. And I was I was even going to throw in, you mentioned this before. I, don't, I can't remember if we hit record or not, but it's knowing to take off the rose-colored glasses and like really sitting down with yourself. And it's, it's all gumdrops and uh, sunshine. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and that was one of the most helpful conversations that I had in the growth of Heather's Choice. I had a point in time when I did a, an accelerator program, my business mentor sat me down looked at this cash flow projection and basically said, if you don't hit these sales goals, you're going to end up $250,000 in the hole at the end of the year. And I was like, okay, so then what happens? He's like, well, if that happens and you can't raise any more money or like you can't sell more, then you're likely to go bankrupt. You're going to have to liquidate everything and it's going to be painful. And I said, okay, 
that's the worst case scenario. I'm not going to die, even though it will feel like ego death (laughs) to have to dissolve the business. But like, I'm okay with that assumed risk that the worst case scenario, the worst thing that could happen is I could lose everything. And I'm fine with that. And I think that that's a helpful exercise to walk yourself through and say like, what is the absolute worst thing that could happen if I try this? And then to get to the place where you're like, okay, I'm willing to take that risk. Let's go. (laughs) That's got to be a big indicator. I mean, (laughs) that's not uh, something you tiptoe by. Oh my God. Heather, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this. I'm glad that we got to take, I guess, uh, some of the back roads to poking around what Heather's choice is and more so what your experience has been like in building it. Man, I feel like anyone who's like about to start a business definitely will be better off getting some of this insight. For the listener who wants to find out more about Heather's choice, maybe stay up to date on what you're up to or check out your podcast. Where's the best place for them to head? Definitely heatherschoice.com. Today is what? November 11th. By January 22, Heather's Choice is getting a full rebrand. So like very excited if you want to check in in 2021 and see what we've got going now, which is beautiful and awesome and great. And then check back in January, probably mid to late January and see the evolution. That will be like a really fun thing for people to watch. We're really active on Instagram and try to do as much as we can behind the scenes at Heather's Choice and give people a sneak peek into our everyday life of the business. And then my personal Instagram is at Heather Teresa Kelly. And I think that that's really, I would almost call that my founder's corner of the internet where I like to kind of share the successes and epic failures along the way. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, yeah, just today was a great day. Oh, today was not a great day. (laughs) Oh man, I I know that game all too well. Yep, it's a ride. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, let's do this again sometime. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to cover because obviously you and I need to have a round of drinks and just chat way more. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like I said, I love this kind of episode because I just, we end up going on and on and on. And I don't know, I feel like we could keep on going and going and going. I feel like we're just really scratching the surface here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know how to reach me and thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored for the opportunity to be on your show and Hope this has been helpful for folks. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. We made it. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of Built on Passion. Hope you learned something. Hope you maybe grew as a person. Maybe you have a new entrepreneurial idea. Maybe all of the above. Maybe you got a new perspective on your favorite hobby or favorite piece of gear and you just, you fell in love all over again. I'm hoping for the last one. That last one actually sounds pretty good. I'm going to ask one last time for the people in the back, please leave a review. It is super helpful and a great way to show your support of the show. And if you know someone who might be interested in this episode specifically, share it to them. And all joking aside, thank you for everything, for supporting what we're doing. In any event, that's it for now. I will see you next week on another episode of Built on Passion. Passion.